California ranks 49th out of 50 states when it comes to affordable housing. Governor Gavin Newsom demanding an investigation as to why Californians pay more at the pump. Certainly when someone has a company, their job is to make the proper investment, take care of their shareholders, their employees, and the community in which they're at. And our job in government passed laws to set the bar at a, at a reasonable level. It's legal to hunt humans with 15-round, 30-round, even 150-round magazines. Today, Governor Gavin Newsom signed an executive order directing agencies to find state land that could be dedicated as temporary shelter location. We're providing health care for everyone, regardless of immigration status. If you believe in universal health care, you believe in universal health care. This is a ghost gun. This right here has ability with a 30 caliber clip to disperse with 30 bullets within half a second. 30 magazine clip in half a second. Welcome to the California Streaming Podcast with your hosts, Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just a couple of common sense California natives sharing commentary on our state's current events. So hop on our magic bullet train to nowhere and let's talk some California politics. Fantastic. Wow. It, I don't think I'm ever going to get tired of hearing the Feinstein hunting humans with 150 <laughs> rounds. It's so ridiculous. It's ridiculous when you hear people not even know the nomenclature of a gun, but then want to make a bunch of laws. Like, these people are in charge of making those laws. Exactly. I, it's it's, it's going to provide entertainment for me. I mean, unfortunately, it's also reality, but it's at least some entertainment, too, for the foreseeable future. It can shoot a million rounds in half a <laughs> no, second. coming up with well, numbers. Well, it's like uh, in the uh, Democratic debate this week, Joe Biden talking about the 150 million people that have been killed by guns. More people in this country have been killed by guns than all of the wars combined. <laughs> I, I tell you, we're, we're in trouble. I, I, I don't know where we're hiding bodies. There was bodies. a big fact check on that one. Yeah, what did they give him? Like, what, How do they do a is it a thumbs down on a f- an official fact, like the PolitiFact or whatever? Those yeah. Websites. What they got? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got the Pinocchios. The Pinocchios, the Pinocchios. that's yeah. it. Did I also hear that Biden told the crowd he was running for Senate? He's running for Senate. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, Bloomberg, during the debate. Oh, this was a good one. He talked about buying Senate uh, and, and, House seats. And then paused. <laughs> it was like a Freudian slip, and right? Not bought. I meant got. Yeah, Got. Come Gee. on. Well, either way, it doesn't I, sound good. Totally. Yeah, they got got. That's fine. <laughs> but Whatever. Got. But uh, Super Tuesday looms. It does. On the, uh, on the heels of the coronavirus, Did, which is tanking the economy. And I, I can't believe that Democrats would be upset about this. Right? I mean, I think they're, you, even had to go, you go back to like Bill Maher. Yes. He wanted the economy to tank. That See, was his thing. I think so they're the, lumping on. The average citizen can figure it out. It goes... It's not Trump's fault. Do you think so? No. Nope. The, the Democrats I, are really trying. They're really trying to Bobby, sell it. But I think they are. Yeah. I think I think they are. I don't have like the specific you know segment that they did or that. But I do. I do think, especially the you know certain news organizations are not going to hold back any sort of rumor about the catastrophe hysteria problems that are going to be coming with this virus because they know it has the potential that it, this could do way more damage than any sort of impeachment trial. So what you're saying right. is like, you know, the 
the old saying, never let a good crisis go to waste. It, is that the wrong manual, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that- Elizabeth yeah. Warren talked about we should be reallocating border wall funding to the CDC, right? And Trump cut some of the CDC. So now it's like right, right, right. I, they're already trying but to that's frame already this. Come- the AP already came out and said no, no money was cut from the CDC. No money was cut. Right. Not zero. But but in just talking about we should move money from the border wall, oh, see, he doesn't want to move money from the border wall. He'd rather have Americans die. Right? Like, that's the narrative that's being Mm -hmm. painted on on the border. And even though you would think you would want to secure the border a little bit more with impending virus coming over. Right? (laughs) No, no, no. No, no separating people, open borders, and, and you know what? You see how it works. All viruses included in Europe and everything. That's right, right? You see how no, that's right. how much quickly, how much quicker it all spreads. Speaking of Warren, I forget where I read <laughs> who had this headline. This one was pretty funny. Something right after the debate, um, B- Bloomberg gets an Indian burn after a debate, <laughs> and I'm like, that's pretty clever. Well done. Well done. But you're right. I, I totally think, I, I really do think that there is an element of this that they're utilizing, to your point, it's a crisis. Let's not, let's not let it go to waste. So there's a thread of truth here. There is, there is truth. Okay, this is the virus. People are getting it. But now how can we spin it out of control? And, you know, you read, you, I try to read various articles about, like, is this getting a little too hysterical? Is it not? People bring up good points, and they're, and a lot of doctors are paralleling it with the flu. If we want to get concerned about something right now, what about the flu? The number of deaths every year from the flu, um, you know, the, the actual spreadability and in, in the diff- various strains, and historically, the actual problems that come with globally with the flu. Right. Yet we don't really have any headlines about the flu. No, and the flu, the flu kills a lot of people. Exactly. You know? It's just well, yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, it's it's all a bunch of crap. Yeah, we can say that here, right? We can say crap. Yeah, I don't think we'll, we'll lose our rating. Yeah, we'll we'll take. Look, the, uh, I mean, I I I see it a lot, you know, on social media, you know, about how many people die from influenza. Right. And I'm like, no, these people die from influenza usually as a secondary result. Like like my my grandfather, he died of influenza, but he was suffering from cancer. He'd been compromised by, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, he yeah, was in yeah. hospice from cancer. Right. So, or it's like, uh, um, in the nineties, eighties and nineties, an AIDS patient from pneumonia, right? Their, their, right. their, their, their immune, immune system, system was just so weak. Yeah. That, and yeah. compromised. Yeah. And then that's what you, yeah, that's what you see from all the, uh, from all the victims is that usually they're pretty sick to begin with. Right. And then, you know, they just kind of, yeah, there was a, into it. Interesting thing I heard the other morning on Fox Business. They had some people talking about it, and they were saying how part of the the biggest issue here is that we're not testing enough people because our questionnaire on have you been out of the country, have you been this, is so narrowly focused on the Asian countries or China Um. that it's already spread to Italy and South Korea and all these other places, and we're, we're screening like a handful, like maybe a couple hundred people a day, and we need to be screening thousands a day. There's no way to get in front of it. And on top of that, when we do find a vaccine or a treatment, it takes so long to move through the uh, FDA process hmm. that it's, it's, uh, this thing's already changed and mutated before the drug even comes to market because we're not set up to 
quickly find a cure move it through the system. I mean, the labs are, they'll find something. Right. But and now to get it to an actual you run injection. Your double, your double blind test and everything else that takes months or years to accomplish. Right. Right. We're just not set up for a, hey, got the cure. Like in the movies, you've got oh, the yeah. lockbox Outbreak. briefcase Outbreak. with a syringe that's got to get somewhere. And you have to dart the monkey to like <laughs> <laughs> to get him to go not to sleep. Real life. Not <laughs> real <laughs> quick, let me get you guys' uh, thoughts on Super Tuesday and what you think predictions, predictions, Ooh, predictions. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, obviously, we by the time this episode drops, it's going to be the South Carolina primary. Yep. It's going to be said and done. But um, what do you think Super Tuesday? Because it's... Almost a third of the delegates right then and there, boom. The way I think about it almost, first and foremost, is let's let's hear some predictions. Who's out? Who's going to drop because well, of Super Tuesday, no, right? No, nobody's going to drop on Nobody? Saturday. Oh, no, no, no. Because no. oh, okay. they're already in. I got that. Oh, okay. I'm talking post-Super Tuesday. Who's likely to who, – who, who have we seen the last of? Mm-hmm. Tom Steyer's out. Yeah. I mean, I know the guy's got so. a lot of dough, but now that Bloomberg's in with even bigger dough – his his angle has been taken up by Bloomberg. So I think right. Tom Steyer's out, right? Steyer's definitely out. Bocahannis? No, I don't think she ever no, goes out. No, no. I think I She's think, the female front-running candidate. Like, meaning is Klobuchar out? I could believe Klobuchar's out. A bunch more fourth-place finishes, what's the point? It's You know, it's really funny because I feel like everybody points to... Elizabeth Warren, right, mm-hmm. as the, this is going to be the the woman who mm-hmm. leads us to it. Mm-hmm. But I think Globachar is, I think she speaks way more eloquently than Warren does. I would agree with you. And I think being a prosecutor helped, right? Uh, <laughs> I also think she um, covers a larger portion of the Venn diagram of people who like would be willing to vote for this versus that. She the middle for, of the country. I think so. Mm-hmm. See, I always worried about Elizabeth Warren because she is a politician in the grand scheme of it all. The problem was is that she tried coddling to the uber-left Bernie people, and when she tried to explain how all Bernie's programs are going to work, she couldn't do it. It was just She just fell flat on her face. She just couldn't do it. It was like like trying to explain how a dog can drive a car. You but, know, it just wasn't going to happen. But you're right, right. But you're, so what you're also admitting, though, is that Bernie doesn't – he gets the pass he on having – He gets the pass. On having to explain. That's right. Okay, because they're, obviously they're unexplainable. But, right. but he's been blessed with you don't really and, have and to you go see there. it in, and you see it in the recent debates when they finally uh, started uh, getting on his case about right, all these things. It was right. like, well, I wrote the damn bill. Right, right. Uh, he loves that line. Well, what do you want? <laughs> right, and Bloomberg is definitely more right of center than they are, and you see that when he he, can't he just flat it. out says, yeah. right. "You can't pay for this stuff." Like, what? <laughs> right. What are you talking about? Right, right. and. I've almost figured he's just more of an anti-Trump. He's an instigator in than there. he is a Democrat. Because nope. yeah, that's, right. that's right. He definitely has the. I think this. I think this is kind of a something you get when these rich people enter in on the left, like your Tom Steyer's. Yeah, your, yeah. Okay. They're philanthropists, right? And they want to help, and they've spent their life using a lot of their own money to help. I don't doubt that. Okay. But then they want to take that private enterprise philosophy and bring it into the public sector. Yes. And, and with then, other people's money. With other people's money, right? right? And they say, well, I've made a life out of philanthropy and going for green energy and doing this and doing that, running NGOs and NPOs and everything else. And now I want to do that as president. Look, it's all good stuff, but they want to do it with your money. They'd been doing it with their money. 
to which they can wrap their heads around and isolate the ramifications of doing it with their own money. Nobody what, argues yeah. what they want is good. <laughs> right. right? That's I, the funny part yeah. in all this stuff, right? I, yeah. Better, more affordable health care. Good. Better access to medicines and Great. treatments. No one's going to say no to that. What we're vehemently going to disagree about is the is the best, most likely way to make that happen. Whose bank account pays for it? But also what's actually executable right. and how do you handle, I was just talking about this with somebody today, how do you handle things that are naturally scarce? The top surgeon, the top brain surgeon in the United States, let's, I don't know who that is. Right. He has 24 hours in the day and he or she has to sleep. So their their time is unbelievably scarce. Right, finite. Exactly. Well, that's just one example, one person, but but spread that out to you know these things. I read a meme somewhere. It's something to the effect of just because you made you you cl- classified something as a right, didn't magically wave a wand and make that thing less scarce. Right. So you're still going to have to figure out how to get everyone access to things that have a scarcity. And if you are the number one top best brain surgeon in the world, yeah, and you're located here in the United States, right? Why shouldn't you be able to charge for your services? Because it's evil, Louis. I right, but it's I evil. mean, supply and demand doesn't just suddenly cease depending on what the genre is of what you're talking about. Exactly. Cause that's the whole, at the crux of it, I believe is the whole point of supply and demand is to help figure out the scarcity of things and what should be the proper pricing of things that are scarce. Right. But you, but you just wave wands and say, this thing is a right, that thing is a right. And think that you can bend the scarcity curve and like, well, because I've deemed it a right now we'll have an infinite number of top brain surgeons. That's when, just not true. When all you do is dilute it, Correct. And then nobody wants to do that. Correct. Because if I can be an OBGYN exactly. and make just a little bit less as having the top responsibility of a massive brain surgeon, right? why would I ever want to do that? That's right. That's exactly right. right. But if I can make 30 times what I make now as a brain surgeon, then that's, that's right. something for me to strive for. That's right. You would hopefully create more awesome brain surgeons. Exactly. Because eventually... Even if you do everything perfect, that top brain surgeon will die. Exactly. At some point. And somebody else will have to be the top brain surgeon. Right. Uh, real quick, I wanted to kind of give a little shout out to somebody because they asked me how, to, how the California Democrat uh, primary works. Oh, yes. Here we so, go. Yeah, uh, this is a good one. And I think we have some stories about it. We have some more stories give about a it. Give rundown yeah. on it. Yeah, so, so the way we're, I'm not going to go through the Republican one because what's the point? Trump's going to win it anyway. And he's got no competition. So, <laughs> But maybe explain why you can only vote right. or not for whatever party. Well, we'll get in into that part a little bit later. Cool. But okay. it's just kind of how it's all going to work out for Tuesday. And the, the way it goes is that any of the candidates that are currently running have to get 15% of the popular vote. That's the bottom edge number. You got to get that number. Otherwise, you won't qualify for any points whatsoever. Okay. Okay. So the way it really breaks down after that is that it breaks down to the congressional districts and the amount of registered Democrats in each congressional district. Now, because the de- congressional districts are pretty much 
the same in population size. Right. They're a little bit different in registered Democrats. Of course. Like take Northern California, right? Exactly. There's going to be a – yeah. So it's just it, true. It doesn't really – Northern skew. Bakersfield Correct. probably. So Correct. each congressional district is between four and seven delegates, give or take. And usually the, most of them are like six or seven. So okay. Just kind of the way they work out. And then um, uh, – so you have to win those congressional districts. And after that, that's how you're winning. Now – all the candidates who get over 15% are calculated into the actual calculus of this. Uh, if you fail to make 15%, you get taken out of that. So let's say uh, candidate one, two, and three, they make up 75% of the of the vote. You take out 25%, you're only working with that 75%, and you start allocating the, the numbers out. Now, you also have um, uh, unpledged delegates, which are popular, uh, popular vote based. But before you got to that point right there, correct me where I'm wrong in thinking that was starting to sound like the electoral college. That's right. You mean the same, Ban it. the same process it. that they hate on the national level, they're embracing on mm -hmm. the state level. Oh, don't say that. Please continue. Okay. So, uh, uh, you also have the super delegates, which we all heard so much about. They're not called, they're not called super delegates anymore, but whatever. Sure, sure. Oh, we yeah, all remember that these. got tainted in Bot, 2016. It got tainted. Bot now, <laughs> now, the fun part about this is that... Vote for me or we'll happen to kill you. Um, yeah. The fun part about this is that they are not allowed to vote on the first ballot. So, uh, so nationwide, I believe the number is 1991 amount of delegates you need to win the uh, the primary uh, the Democrat primary outright. Okay. Okay. If you don't get that, uh, you uh, you go to a contested. So contested super primary. delegates do not vote on the first ballot. That's right. But once it becomes contested, then there's okay. free for all. And in fact. All delegates oh. can now vote however they feel. Which is like. why that's all she wants is to just get it contested. That's right. In in at the um, all that she wants. Well, right. I mean, yeah. that's I mean, the, like, so if, a potential. If you angle. don't have any contested elections, then super delegates do not come into play. That's right. Okay, they'll they'll just go to the plurality. Gotcha. Whoever so they only really make a difference if it's contested. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then what makes it exactly contested? You fail to make that 1991 or it's 1990 something mm -hmm. uh, of the total of the total uh, of total number of delegates out there. Now, obviously, Bernie is in the is in the lead in, in a general sense. Right. Mm -hmm. But but in it, the grand scheme I know, of it all, it, it seems like Biden and Buttigieg, they're in there enough that is the 1991 in question for Bernie. Absolutely. Yeah. See, this uh, the, is this the, is where this the, this the, is getting the interesting. Bets, the bets are saying like it's either Bernie or it's going to be a contested. Yeah. It's going to be contested, and that's why this Super Tuesday. Okay, Big. we're going to have South Carolina, but that's again, Biden. that's Biden. That, that's yeah, that's Biden. For sure. Uh, maybe Bernie gets a couple. Yeah. We don't know. We're but, not sure but, at this point. But in a time. big Biden one. Exactly. And then, hey, you know what? Populous. We got California Big. and we got Texas in the mix. Big. So these are huge pieces of the pie that are going early. I don't know the polling in Texas, but why do I have a gut feeling that could be Biden country? It could for for the on the Dem side. So you can see how this really spreads oh, out. Oh, big time! You can see how this really spreads out. And if we go into Wednesday and 
no one's a clear front runner because everybody's pretty even. Do we hear the crypt door open? That's right. And up pops. You're, the, st- you're still going with this. The madam herself. The madam herself. Wow. People start. Well, okay. There was the rumor. Okay. That Bloomberg was floating the idea that he wanted Hillary as his VP. Oh, see, I heard Yang. I heard he also oh, no, floated. He, he wanted Yang. Th- these are because math. These are floaters. They <laughs> they want they want people to say they want to weigh in on these things. So we're also going to get universal basic income. We're going to get it all, dude. An extra thousand bucks. We're a month. getting it all. You get a car. You get a car. <laughs> you all get a car. So that's just how it goes. That's just how it goes. Okay, so I'm curious to see how terrible the polls are. <laughs> right, and for anyone that doesn't know, polls are designed to write narratives. Mm. Right, they aren't. Um, it's a good way to say it. Yeah, the, they craft a poll in a specific way so that it fits the narrative they want to push. It's not that the poll is actually reflective of anything. Because polls always come down to how the pollsters crafted the questions. Right, right. There had to be actual words and formation of sentences. Right. And that, those questions know. are more often than not crafted in a way to elicit the response they want that fits the narrative they're dreaming of. So from the states that have already voted in their primaries, there hasn't been a whole lot of voter turnout. It depends. Each state was different. But Did you I see can't the Trump imagine turnout, New though? Hampshire. That's Holy what, it like blew away. I can't imagine time. that the turnout in California is going to be that high in this primary, given the fact that we don't have much to vote on no. in this election. We really don't. When I did my ballot and then flipped it over, like the whole back page was blank except for the one. And with that, let's jump into the first topic. I like which it. Is Proposition 13. Prop 13. Whoosh. Oh, yeah. There we go. There it is. I was reading notes. It's official. <laughs> We're in the first topic. The first topic. So I got this article from scpr.org. And proposition not to be confused with the infamous 1978 Proposition 13 that capped property taxes is the only statewide measure on the March 3rd ballot. The proposition would create a $15 billion bond. Billionaires. To build, repair, and modernize schools from kindergarten through public colleges and universities. This is uh, just real quick because this has been so confusing for people, especially given the measure that's going to appear in November. Why on earth did they not keep Prop 13 a retired number? This is, that's, that's, Braceras, yeah, Xavier. Right. Attorney General. Yeah. He's a great question. Again. It, it's we said it last contentious... episode. He's a sneaky guy when it comes to these names and numbers that but, he But issues. even then, I'm, I was thinking about this. They want this to pass. Exactly. This right? is my thought. They want this to pass. It shouldn't. $15 billion to school. You know me. I give hate me, schools. Oh, give, give me a break. So $15 billion to schools. They want it to pass, but everybody's going to associate this with property tax and vote no, hopefully, right? I right. mean, idiots in the state did approve the gas tax after all has gone up again. It goes up every year. But I don't know if you wanted it to pass. Why would you give it something so contentious that draws a no vote, right? Clean slate at the very least. Right? Yeah, right. I don't understand totally. that. So, let's continue. So, many school districts like West, uh, West Country Coast to say they do not receive adequate state funding to make repairs and fully modernize their buildings, leading to a 
band-aid approach of repairs atop repairs and deferred maintenance. Most of the money uh, from the proposed bond of $9 billion would go to K-12 schools with pr- uh, priority given to addressing health and safety concerns, including earthquake risk and removing toxic mold and asbestos from aging classrooms and lead from drinking water. Of that, $5.8 billion would go to updating school facilities, followed by $2.8 billion from new constructions, and $500 million each for charter schools and facilities for technical education. Many organizations, unions, and lawmakers have proclaimed support for the proposition, but others have raised concerns about the proposition. Uh, proposition as a whole say it could mean increased property taxes no kidding I, i'm looking I at mean, the last the, the last Jeez. three superintendents for contra costa <laughs> oh that's very interesting uh we have uh 227,000 actually we'll round it to june 28 229,000 dollars and 215,000 dollars now you're saying that's the amount of students in his school or his salary? Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's his salary. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Karen Sakata, this is from 2016, $228,000 to be the superintendent of a school district that can't even repair its buildings, apparently. Right? They, yeah. need, uh, f- they need part of this $15 billion bond measure. This is the problem with the school districts. Too much administration and too many administrators making a ridiculous amount of money. There was a phrase uh, in in school someone used it's checkers checking checkers, and like that's exactly what that is. You just got a bunch of people running around. Yeah, I, it's great. I, I always had a baseline which I'm, was I'm, oh I wasn't even remember the right number. I always had a baseline which was if the president is the head CEO of a corporation which is America. Okay, what's his salary and should anybody be making more than the president? It's kind of like a pyramid, Got like it. what you should be making as Got a, it. you know, okay, should the president make more? Well, yeah, maybe. But, so, you know, Trump makes a symbolic $0, $1. We, we've got Karen Sakata, $295,000 superintendent. Uh, we have an associate superintendent, 248000 We have uh, a deputy superintendent, 247000 Um. I have an entire list. Senior director of programs and services, two hundred sixteen thousand, and the list is just endless of uh, the amount of directors and superintendents and deputies and associates, all making over two hundred thousand dollars. But we need fifteen billion because we can't repair the building. And did you mention the the notion in here too that the local districts are going to be able to increase the amount of bonds that they sell. I did not mention oh. that yet. Please. Yeah, no, that's just, just, it's like a little side part, but this, this article says uh, prop 13 would also increase the amount of money local school districts could raise by selling their own bonds. Oh, even better. Yeah. More bonds on top of bonds. It just never ends. There's it's, never enough money. There's never enough now, money. I, I it's the only cure. I just want to put like a disclaimer. The, we all heard about the split roll that's happening. That did qualify for the November election. Right. Okay. So this is different. John's dropping. This things. is just Sorry. regular old bonds that people want. You know, the, the, the legislature wants. And the argument will be even w- whether it's meant to go together or not. The argument is that because of the limiting factor of the property tax prop 13, 
schools don't get the money they used to, and the state has to then, you know, support them with state funding because they don't get the local property taxes they used to get. But this is $15 billion on an already massively billion dollar budget. Yep. Right. And then we find out none of the lottery money went to the schools. <laughs> that was another story that came out. You know, because they changed the rules, don't you know? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of a side question, but I'm looking at some of the verbiage inside of Prop 13. One of the things that it does, and I'm curious on this because, and we're going to we're gonna talk about Gavin's state of the state uh, address a little bit later, but he talked about it in terms of other funding. This says it's going to cap administration, administrative costs at 5%. How does that, how does that even... Okay, I get the yeah. theory, uh-huh. right? Okay, fifteen billion. So what? Ten of one and a half, seven hundred fifty million. But what's the enforceability of that, or what is actually? It's like a nice line item. It makes it sound good, but how do you actually go about? All you do is move it around. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You just take the, <laughs> exactly. You take Bunny a, accounting. Yeah. Right. You take everything above that and you throw it into a different line item. Maybe I've just been asleep for a while, but it seems like this is the new angle. Like, oh, I know, I know, you're ticked that we waste a lot of money on the money that we raise. So here's what we're going to start to do. We're going to start to tell you in items in these props of our caps on the admin costs for this stuff. So make you feel good now, right? Yeah. Because we're only... Give, why does it just seem yeah. like a big shell game? And, and then we'll just move it into a general cost. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Not general admin costs. Uh, uh, program support. Program <laughs> Exactly. I wanted to <laughs> miscellaneous fees. Yeah. I wanted to shine some light on the progress of how this got to be our proposition. This. Oh, I thought you were actually going to talk about progress of our schools. But, oh, but well, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it was very interesting because uh, this used to be AB48. Everybody keep a score at home. We got a lot of ABs going That's around. That's right. So uh, this passed on the assembly for uh, seventy-eight to one. Oh wow! Only one dissenter. <laughs> Obernerti, vote, vote for that guy. <laughs> Obernerti, Jay Obernerti, a uh, good friend of mine. Really good guy. Okay, mm-hmm. like Jay. He is the only reasonable person in the Wait, assembly. Is it safe to say that Jay might have some fiscal discipline? About him? Just a smidge. Wow. What Just a concept. A smidge. What's his district? Uh, he's over in what? Over by San Bernardino area. Oh, interesting. Jeez, okay. uh, I've talked yeah. to him a million times. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up in the a second. The 909. Uh, and then it went on to the Senate. And actually, that passed 35 to 4 with one no vote. Uh, and the dissenters were Jones... Moriark, Morel, and Stone for anybody keeping track. Okay. So those are the only people, five in total, who said, you know what, this is probably not a good idea <laughs> to continue to raise uh, taxes on the people. No. Uh-huh. Up, 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 and away we go. So like, anybody who hasn't voted yet, Super Tuesday, if you see someone in the primary who catches your eye, maybe this is the time to say, hey, let's, you know, vote for the other guy. I, I, I don't know. If you own a home and you think this tax is kind of silly, maybe do something about it. Just a thought. So, Just a thought. 
one of these articles, and I just have pulled it up on Ballotpedia, referenced, oh, wait, wait, don't forget, we voted 55% in 2016 to pass Prop 51. Prop 51 was $9 billion for California schools, which... <laughs> which had the following initiatives in, in its design. $3 billion for the construction of new facilities. $500 million for providing for charter schools. $3 billion for modernization of school facilities. Now, I'm confused. That sounds an awful lot like what they're asking money for in this bond. Am I, am I crazy? Then it goes on to say it wants $500 million for providing facilities for career technical education programs and $2 billion for acquiring, constructing, renovating, and equipping community college facilities. What's, what's the difference, and what did we do with this $9 billion? You want to play a game? Please. <clears throat> I don't know if you know the number, so if you know the number, it's not going to be a very fun game. I probably don't, but I like these games. How much of the state budget do we currently allocate to education? Okay, hold on. Percent? You want a percent? Uh, you can do... Let's, let's do a dollar figure. Okay. Okay. Oh, geez. And, and Prop this. 13 is how many billions? Uh, 15, 15. Uh, 15 billion. Yeah. So that, that 15 billion will be on top of this one. And I'll give you a hint it's in the billions. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go two zero. 20 billion? That's what I'm going to. Okay. Gonna, Bobby? I'm going to double that. Okay. 40 billion. Yeah. Neither one of you are. Even we're close. One hundred and three point four billion. Of course, of course. Uh, Fifty-eight point eight of that is from the general fund. Excellent. And Prop ninety-eight in nineteen eighty-eight said that for K to twelve schools, it has to have a minimum funding level of eighty-one billion. Right. So, the one hundred three is even on top of the minimum funding. So basically, we spend twelve thousand per pupil. Um, and then once you include like all federal, local, and everything else, it's like seventeen, almost eighteen thousand per pupil. But we're already spending and budgeted in the nineteen twenty budget. Twenty eight percent of the state's budget is schools at one hundred and three billion dollars. So now we're asking for another fifteen billion on top of that. Shut up and pay your taxes, one, Louis. One quick, crazy. One quick side note to just you know we've talked about this on the podcast before about how we're going to long for the days of Governor Jerry Brown. Jerry Brown was opposed to the Prop Fifty One back in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Who was for it? Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom. No way. So, I'll tell you what, I, Jerry Brown did a lot of dumb stuff, but we would always, you know, we would say on the show, I. He actually like it sometimes can put on the hat of like reasonableness. He kept the loonies correct at bay. Correct. There is right. no keeping them at bay. He wasn't no. a conservative. No. But he wasn't as left of left that you could be like Gavin. Right. No. So I think a lot of this stuff was actually kind of kept at bay while he was there. Now it's just floodgates open. I just want to know where the other hundred and ten billion's going. Like, how does $15 billion shore that up? Because nine certainly didn't four years ago. You're already 28% of the total budget. You're almost a third of the budget. <laughs> and, where does, and, you still, and where does the rest go, Louis? <laughs> Healthcare. Healthcare. Double lottery. Time for the, the double, triple lotto program. That'll right. definitely pay for Which the, the lottery is just a game <laughs> that feasts off people who don't have any money. It feasts off... But the poverty stricken. But Louis, if you don't play, you can't win. 
<laughs> true. True. <laughs> Vegas has the same mantra. <laughs> Next topic. What do you got, John? You know what? We've been talking about Gavin, and I referenced the state of the state. Yeah. In twenties for that he just gave. It's grim. Go. It, I don't know. The guy had a lot of BS lines, a lot of which I've captured because as I like to do, as you guys know, and I hope our listeners have become somewhat fond of, I like to play audio clips. I like to break something down. You know, last time we did Lorena Gonzalez, AB5, which she got beat up. Yeah, it's going its own. She, You know, she's having to do some kind of workarounds now. Cause it, she, it's kind of like the Bernie thing. When I when I talk about fascist Newsom, I got a smile with that plastic smile so yeah. you can hear it. Yeah. And it's like... It's kind of the Bernie thing. Once he has to start actually explaining how this all works, you it all kind of him. falls apart. Believe like, me, if what? you actually heard That's right. the, the, the live broadcast of this or watch it in its entirety. Of the state of the state? The state of the oh, state. I had it was to a to real get... festival of feces, this one. Uh, I had to, and I did in order <laughs> to get these clips. of feces. I threw myself on the fire for you guys and all the listeners so I could pull these clips out. Thank you so I just much. want you to remember that and recognize that as we go through this. So like I uh, like to do, I want to play you clips and then we just get a comment on them. Yeah. Um, so this first one is in there in order of the speech. If anyone wants to go, I don't recommend it, but you can go on YouTube and it's about 41, 42 minutes long. Listen to the whole thing. Watch it though. There's not a lot to watch. So these clips go in the order of the speech. So he's first going to talk about how we are thriving and we're leading the nation. Here we go. Clip one. By any standard and by nearly every recognizable metric. The state of California is not just thriving, but in many instances leading the country, inventing the future, and inspiring the nation. We remain the fifth largest economy in the world, enjoying 118 consecutive months of net job growth. 118 months of net job growth? Right. We've, um, we've got a couple of things working for us, and I've been, you know, saying it on this podcast sure. for a little while. It's, we have the schools that are pumping out the in-demand jobs that are currently in demand. You know, the okay, d- dive into that for Information one technology. Yeah, okay, there you go. Software developers. Uh, for Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, that's right. right. Those are the jobs of the future, if you will. Right. Okay. And all the tech companies surround these schools that are pumping out these college students. They want those interns they want to turn them into employees. As soon as other states and other colleges flip, start pumping out the flip this switch, mm-hmm, yep. then those communities will start, you know, getting the benefits of the same gold rush, if you will. Right. Okay. And then eventually the same thing will happen, whatever the next gold rush is going to be. Right. I don't know what that's going to be, but we'll see what when time comes. I'm curious. Let's say you go to Stanford, mm-hmm. come out, you get hired by Google. Okay. And then Google sends you to a place in Texas. Sure. Does Ooh. that count as job growth here, but not really money here? That's a great That's a great question. So many. Not that what you're, what you're saying is right, Bobby, but another chunk of what they got are the visa crowd. Absolutely. Right? It's the people that aren't citizens. The programmers from... Working on a was it a K one visa or I forget oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever the right, visa right, right, the work right. visa and I does H- that count HB one HB one yeah there you go does that count as job growth when they come here from say India 
it, it does. Right? It does count. But of course, you have to remember, as you are, you are taxed wherever you are making your money. No, I get and that. So, but, but so if you're a Google employee in Texas, for mm-hmm, example, mm-hmm. you're in Texas, right? But Google's in California. But we're not right. But we're not talking about income money. We're just talking about when we want to say, "Hey, I'm going to take credit for a bunch of job growth." Because if you say bring somebody in from outside the state, right. even outside the country, right. and give them a job, that's kind of like a net net zero, right? I mean, they didn't live here. It's not like you gave someone here a job. You imported somebody and gave them a job. Agreed. Oh, if they yeah. didn't show up here, you increased our population. Yeah, right. <laughs> like if they didn't show up here, there would have been no no I, loss, no gain. Yep, yep, yep. Right. Versus someone that is a California resident. That gets I mean, this is up. this is part of the the Trump uh, tagline, which is more people are entering the workforce who otherwise would have not been in the workforce. We're talking about what we, we always have the unemployment number and the unemployment number has been pretty steady. Yeah. For about a year. Yeah. It hasn't deviated, even though we keep adding more jobs. And that's because more people are entering the workforce. Either we're getting them from overseas or. Or they're actually people who wouldn't have a job otherwise. Right, they were previously. And we usually mark those people like homemakers. Right. Like homemakers wouldn't be part of the workforce, you know, but now they've entered the workforce because jobs are so Or they thought they could do something from home and then AB5 crushed them. Ooh. Right? Those were never jobs to begin (laughs) with. That's what Lorena Gonzalez told me. She's stepping back some stuff. Journalists, Journalists. Uh, they're kind of getting ticked. So are yeah. musicians. I, I was remember what you were talking right, about. But that she one stepped time. back the uh, minimum or the yeah. maximum number articles, of articles right. or photos you could publish. Even though those were never jobs, she's kind of changing her tune. Man, what an idiot. Okay, now we get into an. Gavin loves alliteration. He just loves, you know, the rhymings. Uh, here we go, clip two. I love saying about the state today, it's an enterprising, modernizing, pluralizing, unionizing nation state of opportunity. Is that Al Sharpton? Uh, exactly. <laughs> no, this guy, uh, that clip doesn't have anything in it other than the pure hilarity of Gavin. And Let's hear it one more time. There was just some good, there was just some really good rhymings in there. Sounds like he's selling you a car. about the state today, it's an enterprising, modernizing, pluralizing, unionizing nation state of opportunity. Just what a what? He sounds like someone that, like a, a ringleader of the circus, right? <laughs> exactly. Stepping into this car, you trying, man. Trying to get you to play his carny game. Right, right. Exactly. Like, like <laughs> shoot the baskets, you know. You're walking by. One, one more time. Let's just do it again. I love saying about the state today, it's an enterprising, modernizing, pluralizing, unionizing nation state of opportunity. Bingo. Bingo. It's got that like step right hey, up, exactly. step right up, and see how high you can hit that ball. <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay, here we go. Now we're going to talk about the VIPs of GDP. Huh? Another good one. Oh, here, oh, sweet. Here we go. Clip three. Respectfully, when you hear the the boasts, the bleats, the tweets of Washington politicians tripping over themselves to take credit for the economy. Remember the real VIPs of Americans' GDP, and that's the millions of California workers and investors and entrepreneurs who are actually producing their own California dreams. The guy loves the California dreams phrase, are, too. Are entrepreneurs still allowed in California? Oh, no. Okay. See, that's the thing. I thought they were capitalists. 
which which it's weird because it's so extremely difficult to be a business owner no. in this state. It is terrible, dude. Terrible. They do. He does, and they do whatever they can to extract and suck out all like potential upward um, mobility, opportunity, um, motivation, interest. Uh, yeah, it's it, bad. It is. It is really funny that. It's funny when you hear these things and he's, he wants oh. to say, he's basically saying we're so business friendly that the majority yeah. of the country's GDP comes from here. And it's just not true. Like, I, I'm a small business owner. Yep. Your family yep. is a small yep. business. Yep. It gets more difficult to do business here every year. The amount you just give out in... Not even tax that's based on a percentage of anything, right? Just this is a flat tax you pay every year. That's right. 800 bucks right off the that's top. That's right. And if you're a corporation, you pay your corporation tax, and then you pay all your state tax, and that's then right. you pay whatever tax you paid yourself. And it's not friendly. No. You know? And people who are smart might do business here, but they're probably incorporating somewhere uh, else. Right. They're right? really starting to... Yeah, no, they're, they're they're incentivizing those sorts of investigations for how to work things a little different. Right. Inevitably. I mean, I can't blame any business owner that does that. Mm-hmm. just makes sense. Um, okay, so uh, for about the first, I don't know, 10 minutes, eight minutes of the speech, it was, you know, we're the best. We, we've got, the, we've done great things. It was we're a pep the, rally. It was right, pep rally. But then he got, it was, and then we got serious. And the focus of the state of the state for 2020 was homelessness. Of course. It is polling the number one issue for both Republicans and Democrats. Well, that's not surprising, though, right? Mm-hmm. People are stepping over poop on the sidewalk every day. It's a uniting thing. Right. He tr- and he tries this angle. That, that angle right there, he tries to blame, you know, both sides historically so as to not, you know... You know, he verbally he does, you know, yeah. but but behind the behind the closed doors, you know. It's- I just went through that whole deal with Prop Thirteen and who opposed it, right? So five legislatures in the whole, right? Assembly, you know, right. whole legislature. That's it, right? That those are the rational people that we have left. That bodes well. So who who really owns this homeless situation? Tell us, John. So um, I'm actually, yeah. So. This is an interesting idea. I had a buddy even text me about this. He's going to kind of give it a radical idea with what doctors should be able to do. Here we go. Clip four. Healthcare and housing can no longer be divorced. After all, what's more fundamental to a person's well-being than a roof over their head? Doctors, doctors should be able to write prescriptions for housing the same way they do for insulin and antibiotics. Whoever clapped for that, huh? You, you, you'd need to just You're walk into the ocean and never idiot. come back. How, let's hear can we, well, yeah. one more time one so more we time. can collect our thoughts. Because, right, we're still kind of shocked <laughs> at the absurdity of this. Here we go. Healthcare and housing can no longer be divorced. After all, what's more fundamental to a person's well-being than a roof over their head? Doctors, doctors should be able to write prescriptions for housing the same way they do for insulin and antibiotics. Um, but this, <laughs> Louis, <laughs> perfect. Um, uh, your your sister's the doctor. Yes, 
can um, she? Can she's she having pers- a hard time buying her own house. <laughs> can right she now. prescribe me a new mansion? I mean, wait a sec. Say that again, because the irony in that is the so irony is rich. she's been in a housing search in SoCal for six, seven months, just trying to find something she can afford, and she's <laughs> the doctor. Yes. <laughs> so if the doctor can't even get a house. How are they going to write you a script? Is there like generic homes and then name brand homes? But isn't that back to the point about scarcity? Like just because you want people to have houses, that's noble, great. But what just by it, wanting it doesn't. You know what? Bend. Does pre- I, I don't get the. Con- what does a prescription do? You know, it's a piece of paper that you walk into. I, like I want to do this. I want to do this. I want. <laughs> Your sister to give me a prescription. We should do this for a house. And I walk up to Gavin News and says, "I got a doctor's note. I'm taking one of your we houses. We should dude. do this. I'm taking it. The one with the vineyard. That's a, oh, I like this. Yeah, can she prescribe us like something really on the top of a hill with a really nice you know what? overlook? I guess there is a parallel because a prescription is designed to give you permission to get a tightly regulated medication oh, okay, okay. that the government I, has well done, well put done. a cage around. Well done. Right? And housing in the state is like that. Is exactly like Good that. Good call. Right? I, we I, don't have houses because the feds, or the, I'm sorry, the state government has locked up the ability to build. I'll admit, you're right. I was wrong. I, this, this actually, mm. this has some merit now. Yeah. Now that, now that you've laid so, that out. So, yeah, the doctor can then allow you to get into this tightly regulated Market, yeah, but so where's, what's going to be the, the are home builders? Is that going to be like the Vons versus CVS versus Walgreens, where you actually get the prescription filled? Like, yeah, different you, home builders you can, in. okay, That's, you know, okay, okay. Maybe you'll go to Costco, and you know, like the high value stuff. You grab the cardboard card, and then you go to the yes. cage, and they yes. check it out. Yes, maybe that's how you'll pick out your home. Okay, and then they'll just hand okay. you keys, right? And okay, you get maybe five percent cash back. I don't know. Could be a good deal. <laughs> Can and I be then, a frequent buyer? You know, <laughs> maybe you get the rotisserie chicken and you get your house. And you know what? Costco's all over this. Yeah, get your Kirkland home. Yeah. You can get a casket there already. So. Will they call me and leave an automated message when my home is ready so I can come? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, like, the, like my you, prescription. You'll be waiting a long time for that <laughs> yeah. one, brother. Unbelievable. Okay, so we continue. Clip five. Gavin decides to make a quick comment about accountability. Pretty, pretty rich. rich. Yeah, really rich. Here we go. <laughs> did, did he mention the uh, the lottery program in that one? Unfortunately, I don't okay. think. It, clip five. Here we go. You guys get it. It's about accountability. Matching resources to results. For too long, there were no requirements for progress. This higher system's been voluntary. This sounds like uh, a lot of programs in California. A hush <laughs> fell over the crowd. Exactly. No one quite knew, like, oh, dang, is he on to me? Yeah, everybody just kind of went like, can did, we, that, did you say that? Did can, you say that? Can we look at education? I know. That's exactly, I was just thinking education. We have some of the biggest failure rates. <laughs> for far too long, we have I, not done anything about that. I need to keep the stats handy for every episode because when we did our big education episode yep. like a year ago yeah we had the percentage of kids that can't even read past like a third grade level oh it was which was terrible like high school bad. age kids hey, bernie sanders is gonna fix that yeah. oh yeah that's right mm-hmm. we're gonna match cuba <laughs> anybody that finds a a good point to fidel castro should just automatically be out but for some reason he's not, <laughs> he's not. which should scare the hell out of you Really, it should. We should match resources to results. 
Wow. How come his whole thing sounds like a used car? Oh, like he's just amped up. That's like him, though. That's the thing. He's like had a bump, and then he's just out there trying to sell. People, have, people have called me crazy for saying this before, but I still, man, this makes me even stick behind this statement even more. I think I would rather listen to a speech by Obama than my Gavin Newsom. I'm serious. I'm not saying I want to either on either of them, but if you forced me, I'd pick an Obama speech. Pretty sure. I didn't agree with Obama, right? but he spoke with an eloquence right. and kind of, I feel like he had a little humility right. to him, at least in his words, not maybe as a person, but... Agreed. It's not this. He sounded stately. It's not this. Right. And people will say, well, Trump doesn't sound stately. I, no. Tr- no Trump is what you get what you get, <laughs> right. and you either like him or you don't. Right. It's, he's not, I, he's I not like trying it. to BS you. Right. I like it, and I, I, but I understand how he turns people off. Right. Same with Gavin. People like Gavin. Gavin turns me off. He just seems like the... The pitch man. He's always he's, pitching. He seems like a bratty, rich kid pitch man. Totally. That just kind of... This was my progression. I, I was meant to be in this role. That's right. Or like at any point, he's going to bust out a blue shirt and a bo- box of OxyClean. He's like you're going <laughs> right. to you know, emerge from behind the podium. Exactly. Okay. Now we're on... This is a big clip, guys. Because now we're going to talk about homeless housing solutions. You ready? Are we because, doing, are we doing mini homes? Prescription wasn't enough. <laughs> I know. So we got the prescriptions, but we're coming at this problem from all angles. It's time to talk homeless housing solutions. Clip six. Go. This moment, it cries out for a new approach. And in the budget I just submitted, I proposed a new approach, a new California access to housing fund, and with it, a whole new way of investing in homeless solutions. We have a clear purpose for this fund, paying for what works, gap financing for innovative housing models like hotel-motel conversions, and securing vacant units wherever we can find them, stabilizing and expanding board and care homes, and preventing homelessness in the first place through rent subsidies and rapid rehousing to help people one job loss, one illness away from homelessness. So, so I'll be the first to say that he'll talk about it a little bit later. But notice, like the critical thing that was absent in that list of solutions: uh, uh, building, building more homes, house, <laughs> right. converting. It, this is this is shovel-rated jobs, <laughs> exactly for housing. Exactly. Okay. Now, uh, the first thing he said was converting motels. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. So, Louis, you're probably more familiar with this from your job standpoint. But if you've ever gone to one of those motels oh, yes. uh, that he's talking about, they usually have a lot of people who cannot afford regular housing, and they have started to live in this motel on a on a monthly basis. Yeah, there's a lot of there, mo- motels where a lot you of can motels. rent by the day or, right. or by the month, right? Mm-hmm. And it's people that probably wouldn't qualify for conventional rent, right? Like they don't they don't have good credit. They don't have any money. I mean, they're typically slummy places. Right. I, I want to know, though, we, if we were able to house every homeless person, mm-hmm. okay. we couldn't. Okay. There's no inventory. Right. right? And this is the same thing we talk about with the medical stuff. We don't even have enough doctors. Right. I think part of what keeps the system in check a little bit is that people don't go to the doctor. Right. Because there aren't enough. That's right. So it's like self-regulating almost. Right. So 
these don't work without addressing the supply and demand part. We uh, have the demand. We don't have the supply. Right. And the reason why all this is so expensive is because we don't have the supply. And he kind of... So so starting with this next clip, that's where he's... He knows he can't avoid that. That's what I took from this. He can't avoid it. So he wades into it. Well, let's listen. Because the next series of clips start to go in there. And let's go. Uh, clip seven. Why we... The fact that we don't build enough houses. We don't build housing for people at all income levels. And as a consequence, we've worsened the homeless crisis. It's a vicious cycle. A lot of clapping. And we own it. The only sustainable way out of it is to massively increase housing production in the state of California. Can, can, you, can you feel the tepid, yes. the tepid applause for that one? See, you're right, but I don't want to admit you're right. Yeah. There's well, a lot of says, golf claps in there. Yeah. Build at all levels of income. Right. right. What he wants is cheapy, subsidized and he's, government housing. That's exactly right. And he emphasizes, and I think it's in one of these clips. Well, when we did have our um, our big housing episode last time, I do remember, yeah. you know, the only major city with no re- regulations for housing was Houston, where they were able to build homes that matched the income levels of the tenants who they suspected would rent those places. So you might have, you know, something that you wouldn't deem acceptable, but other people would at least have a home. Fair enough. But we don't have that here. And I have statistics for that later. I think we were going to go deeper into this later, right? That's right. And into some uh, housing. Yeah. Well, and, and there's the ancillary issues, right? Right. And you'll sound racist or bigoted well, for we, saying this. You guys are already racist. I know that. Exactly. But if you just build, I mean, that's how you get ghettos, right? If you just yeah. if you just cordon off certain parts of an area for low-income housing, you end up with low-income folks. <laughs> and that's where your resources for police, for the fire department, for EMS, for graffiti cleanup, that's where your resources get concentrated to, right? It's not the the rich affluent areas use those services the least, right? So right. when you start building a ton of low-income housing in an area, you're also increasing all of those other resources that you haven't allocated funding for, right? Makes you can't just sense. build a bunch of low-income housing. Right. Like they... um. They had these, and they they changed the name low affordable housing. That we used to call them projects. Right. Okay. They just changed the name because projects sounds terrible. You know, we used to call it food stamps. Now we call it EBT. Well, it's not South Central Los Angeles. Now it's just South LA. Is that right? right. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Once you get the connotation, because South Central had a connotation, it's not like it suddenly wasn't gang ridden anymore. By changing the name, but it just got rebranded oh, to South Los Angeles. So in this next clip, he's going to talk about again about more housing. But but listen for the hook though that he makes sure he puts in there to to, to I know what clip this is to keep things safe. Here we go, clip eight. Our objectives are clear: increase density in a way that promotes equity, affordability, and inclusion. To increase certainty 
to increase certainty that units planned become units built in a way that respects always our environmental and labor protections and to hold local governments accountable to both of these pillars, more density and more certainty. It is time, time for California to say yes to housing. We can no longer wait. But no, right, notice what he did. We got to build a ton more housing. We got to do it now. But we got to make sure we do it in a way that respects environmental laws and unions. Right. Well, that just put the death knoll what he, on new houses. What he did there was he put it on the backs of local government. Yes. Yes, he did. He wants higher density. So yes. He just wants a bunch of what high you, density. What you just building. said. Exactly. What you just said. And then he wants to secure jobs for the unions and the environmental people. Right. I mean, that's. Which, which that he last gets part. all that in one, one thing there. And that last part will greatly hinder the progress of the actual construction in the first place. If you're going to be respecting all the current environmental stuff we've got on the books, no more housing. I mean, that's exactly... Because this, become, this becomes a self-defeating project when you say, hey, local governments, it's incumbent on you to build this stuff. And then we make it so expensive through the environmental loopholes, and you've got to hire prevailing wage, union jobs, all that stuff. And... You got to make super dense. You you got to find the place in your in your city to even make it happen. And then if you don't do it, we're going to drop the hammer on you. And to your point, all the while, we've we've all these new program monies, etc. Assuming they go to this, we just it's a jobs program. It's a jobs right. program for government positions for these people to figure this stuff out that'll actually never be able to be figured out because you've created so many convoluted laws that there's no way out of this crazy maze. Exactly. I got a statistical nugget for you. I love those. But no, let's do it now. Please. Uh, Gavin's from San Francisco, so we'll stick So there. I've heard. Construction costs on average oh in boy. San Francisco. Like per square foot? Per square foot. Can I, can I guess? Oh, please. I like, yeah, because I like these. I'm going to guess 400. 400 a square foot? Uh, let's see. You challenge? Yeah, I'm going to say like 1,200. Ooh. Wow, he went way yeah, high. We got a gap here. I'm sorry. It was not that high, Louis. Uh, John was a little closer. It was actually around 330. Okay. Well, okay. yeah. That's, it's actually... That's better than I thought. That's actually the <laughs> second highest. It's crazy. Second highest in the world. That is crazy. Okay. This is just a statistic actually from 2018. 330 bucks a square foot. So to kind of give you an idea Please. of how much that really costs, okay? That means that your typical apartment just per unit or wherever which is going to be cost, like 600 square feet, right? I mean 600 square feet is pretty tiny. I know, but that's um, but I'm thinking of a one that's that you like find in old San, apartment. One in right. San Fran. That'll that'll cost you about a quarter million dollars. <laughs> Okay. Got if it. you had a twelve hundred square foot, oh, which is double, which would mean half a mil, five hundo. Okay. So, what's the big factors? Well, guess what it is. John touched on it. Bringing it to the marketplace, right, takes forever. Right. That's right. And so they've tied up that capital for that long. They need to. It's a it's a investment, so they need the, a return on that investment. So they 
the market obviously drives the price to that point in order to make it a worthwhile endeavor for the builder and all the parties involved. Oh, if anybody wants to right. look up the study, it's called the SPUR study. SPUR.org. SPUR.org. Interesting. And uh, according to the study, four main categories drive rising construction costs in San Francisco. Lengthy and complex city processes. No. Building codes and design requirements. <laughs> workforce and procurement rules. Environmental regulations. But but just list them all off. Yeah, but things are looking up because he's saying we got to do better. Well, then you talk about California mandates solar panels and everything, <laughs> right. right? You've got cities getting rid of natural gas, right? Like you start adding in you, all the loopholes. The, yeah, you just listen to a speech all, like this. All the hoops you have to jump through. Again, a speech like this is just pure BS. Again, this was two years ago. Study. Uh, it's getting out of control. Pure. I don't know what it is now. BS. This, this, it's, it's, I'm going to guess it's not less than 3.30. I'm going to take a wild less. guess and say <laughs> yeah. none of None of this will bring costs down. <laughs> none of it. Zero. Yeah, you, you're probably more correct in your first guess, which was $400, 400 yeah. per square foot. Yeah. That's that's a tile. I was For guessing, those of you who have tiles in your house, that's the size of a tile. I was guessing the square footage cost for 2025. I think that's why. Oh, okay. Or, or 2021. Yeah, I <laughs> it's was like on an uh, I got one more clip. It's about the progress he made as a mayor in San Francisco. That's on homelessness. You got balls. I know that. That's why balls to go back to those days. That's why I pulled this one out. Here we go. Clip nine. With homelessness, I, I also know that it can be done because I've seen success along the way. You know, 15 years ago, Wait, he saw mayor of San Francisco in the face of long odds and stiff opposition. We established Project Homeless Connect to bring local government services directly to people. It has been wildly successful and adopted in over now 250 cities across our nation. Okay. You remember when I just said he's from San Francisco? <laughs> exactly. Okay. That's why he agree. saw major success. That's what I agree with when Louis like, the guy has cojones to say that there were big successes while he was in mayor on homelessness. There are people probably right now pooping on like the main corner now, in, the, now, there is a thought. No, but I'm serious, right? Yeah. So how in the world is he... Get, well, it's because he's surrounded by people who just love him and will clap for him for whatever. So he gets to say, look what I did while I was in San Fran. I had all these successes with homelessness. Isn't it wonderful now? And there's more no. poop than ever. There's more syringes than ever. To, Unbelievable. To use... Is it delusion? I know. Right? Or or do they just think we're stupid? No to, joke. To it'd be like Seattle, right? Like right. Uh, reaching back into somebody from Seattle, reaching back into their time as part of the city council there. <laughs> right. And saying, I did a great job to combat this. Meanwhile, it's just destruction behind <laughs> exactly. them. Exactly. Right? San Francisco is used for the example of where this place is headed. Right. <laughs> It's exactly through the roof, right. housing costs, people living everywhere. We talked about uh, 30 episodes back about the mass exodus in Silicon Valley from San Francisco, oh, right. right? Going to right. San Jose, conducting their seminars and trainings and symposiums a, there. A lot of medical co conventions. Yeah, like getting bailed. out of the city because right. they had homeless people and feces all around the different uh, convention yeah. centers and stuff. Crazy. So yeah. But, so this guy, Gavin, 
He's the dude. This guy actually busts out, look at what I did that was so successful in San Francisco. Cojones. That takes cojones. It's insulting. I know. Like, seriously. It's unbelievable. You know, um, a, a lot of people came up to me this couple, couple months ago and said, hey, let's recall the governor. He's a fool. What are we doing with this guy? He shouldn't even be. He shouldn't even be our governor. And I, I, I looked at him and I said, I don't think anybody, any Democrat even knows he's our actual governor. I don't think they know. I think they're on autopilot. No, they know. Because if they really? heard that that speech, how could they possibly rationalize anything? Because they said? live in a delusion. It is a uh, honestly, it sounds funny, haha. But Michael Savage's title of his book, Liberalism is a Mental Disorder, it honestly, there's elements of it that's panning out to be more seem to be more true than that right there. You actually are going to try and explain to me you had big successes combating homelessness in San Francisco when you were mayor? Have you gone back to your city recently? <laughs> yeah. And, and then even if you did, it clearly didn't hold up. <laughs> so let's right. say, right, like the minute you left, right, right. you were propping the whole thing up. Okay, maybe. Maybe that's your argument. So the state of the state for 2020, gentlemen, it's looking up because... Gavin wants to build houses. Progress. We've got VIPs for the GDP. And we've got a lot of isings, unionizing, enterprising. <laughs> guys. It, Polarizing. Yeah, pol- you know. <laughs> he left that one out. It's amazing, guys. That's that's this that's what I got from this segment and listening to all 40 minutes I'm su- of Gavin. I'm surprised he didn't promote the fact that we uh can now pick up the roadkill, you know, so that we <laughs> so that the homeless can now eat the uh Protein goo that's on the side of the road. Wow. Mm. Wow. Real quick, guys. I just want to do a little quick rundown of uh, what's been going on in the state since uh, you probably didn't hear it in the news. So quick rundown. Here we go. So Assemblyman uh, Chad Mays of Yucca Valley will try to win re-election to the assembly seat he's running for. Uh, Mays, who once served as a Republican assembly leader, now supports cap-and-trade letting felons to vote and bailing out PG&E. So he was not a he was he was not a conservative Republican. Well, the, so I've rhino? had many a conversation with this gentleman. Have and, you really? And what happened now, there? Where well, where'd we go off the rails? So I was uh, part of the Republican Assembly and oh, I was yes. uh, I was an officer of that and I left it because I didn't feel that they were being very conservative, which was their whole thing. You mean that way that their angle was to be Liberal Republicans. No, you know, to be re- conservative. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Their angle was to be liberal right. Republicans. No, I mean, I'm <laughs> So now that he destroyed that organization, I'm glad that he's shown us for what he truly is. He's a, he's a true never-Trumper. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So it kind of yep. tells you exactly what it is. So I'm just kind of airing out some frustration right there. So we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, Assemblywoman... Wendy Carrillo of Los Angeles and her chief of staff were reprimanded for sexual harassment on Thursday after a workplace investigation substantiated claims that the lawmaker inappropriately hugged one and the aide made unwanted sexual comments toward two unidentified employees. 
Essentially, the Ripper Man is just a hand slap. Rules for thee, but not for me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hashtag me too. Mm-hmm. San Francisco car break-ins are so common that the city's district attorney is proposing reimbursing residents whose windows are smashed. San Francisco's district attorney is proposing creating an auto burglary assistance fund that would reimburse residents for the cost required to repair shattered windows from the break-in. Uh, D.H. Chelsea Bowden is proposing $1.5 million from the mayor's office to fill the fund. Why does the taxpayer have to pay for the problem that government created, whether that was not staffing enough police or just everything they've done that has led us to the point where they're so prevalent, we now have to come up with a slush fund to reimburse people for their windows. But Gavin Newsom Mm -hmm. left that city great. We had huge progress, guys. Huge successes. So good, in fact, we need $1.5 to reimburse people for their smashed windows. Hey, smashed windows creates jobs, right? That's, that's right. How, that's I've how it that. works, right? I've read that, okay. right? Let's go break all the windows because mm-hmm. then we'll mm-hmm. just, you know, have massive employment. Next up, <sighs> Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti compared himself to 2020 presidential contender Pete Buttigieg, <laughs> alluding to a handful of similarities. He came out of the closet? <laughs> alluding to similarities between himself and the former South Bend mayor. According to the Los Angeles Times, 49-year-old Garcetti said he is the older, straighter Pete. During that speech, he's the older straight. Wow, are you you kidding me? No, he said that. Amazing, oh but but he's a dem and a lib, so he gets a pass. He gets know, away they, with they it. Right? Away mm-hmm. they want. Hmm. Uh, Senate Bill eight seventy three, authored by Hannah Beth yes. Jackson. Yes. Good old Taxon Jackson's back. Yes, she's the Santa best. Barbara specifically calls for an end to higher prices for female oriented yes. products. When similar products for men are priced differently, such as in deodorants, hair products, toys, and dental products, the bill makes also makes it clear that this isn't municipal or county-based, but rather covered over the entire state. So, This is a scary precedence. This is an interesting one where we start where we start demanding specific yep. costs of yep. items. Exactly. And um, I, I've wondered this too. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this in other ways. What is the, I don't know if it'd be legal or ethical, but when there is a percentage of what you're purchasing that goes to the state, right? Sales tax. And you're manipulating the cost, which manipulates the amount of sales tax. What is to stop that actor from coming up with a cost that just gives them a certain amount of sales tax? It's basically like... What's price fixing? I was just going to say legal price fixing, and it's legal because they control the rules. They have all the power. Imagine if that was done with stock prices. That's how the SEC knocks at your door at five in the morning and serves a warrant. I would say, but however, I would say people would go to jail, but it depends on who you know. And if you know someone, right. you probably won't. No. Now, see, but Louis, how is that not price fixing tax? It's exactly I, price fixing. I see this as a win win, Louis. You got to look at it from the bright side, okay? You're not being lib enough to see it, Louis. You help us. See. Help us. Okay, I'm going to show you the errors are away. My car insurance rates are going to fall because as a male, 
I get charged more for my car insurance than a female. Mm. Because statistics would have otherwise said that men get in more car collisions than women. Therefore, if we're going to all be priced the same, my car insurance is going to go lower. No, no, women's will go up. Oh, oh, oh shit. <laughs> My bad. It, I'm telling you, it just, it just continues to remind me of the of a, a soft theme we've been on for this episode. You think you can just magically bend curves in terms of scarcity, supply. To, marketplaces find a way. And that's this is the one of the crux problems of government is they think that they have the puppet strings to all of these sorts of items, and then they go and they pull on one string and don't even realize or think about the fact that the marketplace is going to adjust and pop this up over here. So they try right. and whack that mole down. That's all that's going to happen here. Not to mention, how do you how do you even come up with equivalent on some things? Okay, but equivalent products like whatever a leading women's deodorant is compared to old spice like right technically the women could buy old spice and they wouldn't pay the quote-unquote right i like how some of these things because the manufacturer labels them for women right that it becomes a women product and what i mean is that there's there's nothing preventing you from buying any version of whatever right but it's typically maybe the sense or why you Deviate There's, a certain okay, way. Okay, okay, pop quiz. Can you name the shampoo that is currently in your shower right now? Dove. No. No, no I cannot do the either. But can I point out You're even... You're kind of feminine, though, Julius. So I'm, no, I, I'm sure any woman I asked that question of, they would have gotten it right away. I just used the Dove men's because stuff. Because... Oh, yeah, no, not, the gray bottle. Yeah, the gray right? bottle. Yeah, yeah, I've used that stuff before. Can I point out something else here, though, that... that is she assuming... You don't to, even have hair, Bobby. Sorry, John. <laughs> Why do you have shampoo? My beard. Uh, beard. <laughs> Sham beard poo. Sham beard. <laughs> Is she assuming two genders in this? Yeah, what if I'm... Whoa. No. Oh, I totally missed it, John. I'm Is just she a assuming, that way. Is she assuming two genders here? I That actually segues into one of my stories. Perfect. <laughs> no, because, I mean, she, she should be brought up on charges. That's true. Us. Is that it, Bobby? Speaking of two, that's the rundown. Speaking of two genders, apparently, I I don't have a lot of long stories, but I do have a couple great. Uh, ridiculous stories. Those are the best, though. Yeah. So uh, LGBTQ agenda. California. You're gonna, you're gonna stop the letters there. There's more, aren't there? <laughs> it's all the article. There's stated. a couple symbols in there too. I don't know. This is from the Bay Area Reporter. California congressman introduces gender inclusive passport bill. So, Congressman Ro Khanna introduced legislation in the U.S. House of Representatives, February 25th, that would allow people to mark an X on their passport applications in lieu of male or female. In a phone interview with the Bay Area reporter, uh, Khanna, who's a Democrat from Fremont, noted that at least 10 countries, including Germany, Canada, and India, allow passports that have options beyond male and female. Uh Kana said he got the idea for the legislation, H.R. 5962, from Gary Jerry, maybe it's Jerry Cannon, a trans member of the New Hampshire legislature. While he was on the campaign trail for Democratic presidential aspirant, Senator Bernie Sanders. Kana is a national co-chair for Sanders' presidential campaign. So basically, this is what's going to make passports more equal. 
because they weren't equal before, therefore the X means they're now what? Right. Okay. So this isn't a game. The people going through ports of entry need to be identified, right. you know, because it's kind of important. But we got this whole coronavirus thing, and we go, hmm, I wonder if you're the person on this picture. I, I, I can assume that you're a male or female, and when I got to. But here's the problem. Isn't part of the problem, though? Like, a passport's a pretty official document, right? It's like laminated and stuff. It's pretty much as official of an ID as you can get. Right. So what if I identify as something when I apply for the passport, but then when I'm using it and like in Germany for 10 years, right? What if I identify on the day that I'm using it as something different than what's on the passport? How does it, how does it keep up with my changing identification? That's why it's an X, John. That's why it's an X. So you can be fluid. I just don't know how we get to a spot where we don't even have an assignment. Right? Like, I don't, just for practicality purposes, how do you that, get to a spot where you don't have an assignment? That's what I was thinking, is aren't we, aren't we like, now approaching territory? You you just might as well take that whole portion off. Forget a M, F, right. forget whatever. Why put anything? Yeah, right. Just I mean, take it off. Right. Why do we even assign a name? I know. No, no. Why? But this is where this is all headed, yeah. right? Let's be honest. Because where does it stop? Correct. Why do we assign ethnicity? Why do I need a passport? Correct. Why can't I just be a member of whatever country? Right. That's right. Right. I I, I right. feel like I'm Irish today. That's right. So I'd like to just have an Irish passport. It is starting to beg the question, though, like, well, yeah, why is it even on there as a classification? But And why does it stop? Right. And we talked about this uh, with California law mandating females in the boardroom. You had to have a certain amount of female presence on your company's board. Why did we just say female? Why didn't why did we assign any gender? Why didn't we assign certain races? Like why why does it ever just stop at a certain spot? Right. Because you can take it to the umpteenth degree. And I don't that's where we're gonna get. You we, can't you can't be completely inclusive of everything all the time. Which is funny because as a friend of mine pointed out, and I think even like we've talked about on the show, like Jordan Peterson will talk about this. The ultimate conclusion to this is everyone is like an individual. Right. And that's the funny part is like these people hate individualism, yet that's what they're driving towards. It's like the weirdest thing ever. Right. And and he talks about um, the workplace uh, explicit bias test, which has been shown to be completely false, right? But your workplace will give you the implicit bias test and it shows you just how biased and racist you are as a human being. And then they'll give you the, the corrective steps so oh, that John is no, less yeah. racist and right. biased in his life, right? right? And even the psychologists that created this test have come out and said, whoa, we messed up. It's not a good test. Stop using it. But it does push a good narrative, so it continues to be used. That's all but that matters. Peterson makes the argument that you can only divide something so much before it becomes right because you right. can be female okay you can be a gay female right you can be a gay female of color right you can be a gay trans female of color right, right. where where but, does it stop and with and enough tack-ons it's, it's just you, you in the world like there's no <laughs> right. one that meets that except you exactly and you just get all the way back to the individual right so let's just start with the individual <laughs> just, to begin with exactly that's what to worry about awesome i'm on board i wanted to do a crossfire with you guys and i have something 
that would go right into oh, this. Oh, boy. Okay. So it's Uh-oh. a little bit of fun. Here we go. So I'm going to explain it to you guys. So I'm going to pose a question to both Louie and John, and they're going to debate the question. So they're Rochambeauing to figure out who Dang it. gets to select whether they are pro or con. And the loser, which is John, will have to take the Big opposite loser. approach of whatever Boo. the question is. They don't know beforehand of what I'm going to ask them. So here it comes. Joe Biden on the campaign trail said, "I'm looking forward to appointing the first African woman to African American woman to the U.S. Senate." So that got me U- thinking. U.S. Senate. That's, that's what he right said? to the U.S. Senate. So that got me thinking about the old Seventeenth Amendment, which we switched from legislature appointing their senators to a popular vote. So. If the Democrat-controlled state had the ability to appoint a senator, would they start checking off woke points and assigning according to LGBT and black and affirmative action? So would you support the president? I'm sorry, uh, the legislature, 17th Amendment, the state's right to appoint whomever they choose, So they would be selecting whoever they choose, regardless of what the popular vote actually was for that person. I think states have the right to do whatever they want, right? And ultimately, sure, appoint whoever you want. If they are a sucky congressperson, they're going to be a sucky congressperson. Because you're not electing them based on the merit, you're electing them based on their skin, color, or gender. Which anybody who actually has any confidence in themselves wouldn't want to be the person who's just put in a spot, right? You would want to have earned a spot. Most of the hard workers I know want to earn a spot. Just like the female in the boardroom principle, do you want to be that girl that just got appointed there? Or do you want to be the girl that that worked her way up there and put in put in everything needed? Sure. Elect some dead weight just because of, of who they are. But they'll ultimately be dead weight, and they're going to drive your state into the ground. Oh, <laughs> wrong one. Okay, go. so I'm on the side of arguing for that it should be the general populace of the state right. that elects a senator, which we've had for, I, I forget, honestly, when the amendment was changed. Right, don't but quote me on the number. So we've, yeah. it's been that way for a while, right? Yeah. And frankly, in some ways, you could argue that it actually tempers, right? There, there's a lot of... It could be argued that it's pretty good because it tempers a lot of the frustration I think that people have with the Electoral College. And I think that's where a lot of people saw that the state legislature is voting for or or electing senators. This puts it back into more of the pop. It does put it into the hands of the popular vote the way we currently do it, which gives people nationally now a say as to who's going to be in Congress. Trying to take it away from the general republic setup that we had originally. I guess you could make the argument, and I think it's fair to say that that it gives it a more a balanced spin to those on the other side that say that the Electoral College is outdated, old for electing the president. Well, at least you have the general population of the state to get the senators in. So, you know, it really worried me when Elizabeth Warren went out there and said she's going to ask for an eight-year-old transgender kid to choose her. Yeah, her head of 
of uh, state of education. And I went, what are you talking about? That's crazy talk. And I feel that the Democrats are definitely checking boxes now. Oh, no, absolutely. They're checking it all the way down. Absolutely. And you're going to just appoint people because of the way they feel. But you, if they had the right to assign senators, people in high offices. If the state did? Back to the amendment. right? Back to the 17th Amendment? Yeah, exactly. So just for the record, I, I'm a big believer that the state legislature should choose the Senate, the, the Senate reps, like Louie was arguing. Yeah. And you realize, like, it would be massively Republican in the Senate, right, if that were to occur. Because we have 30, we almost have enough numbers for, this, uh, yeah, for but, the Constitution, for the Convention of States. But you look at, like, California, states. California sends its two senators. Of course, and they would, the legislature would elect two super libs. But we've got like 30 plus states that are run by Republican right. legislatures, meaning we'd have like supermajority in the Senate. Right? Yeah. If the state legislature is so true. It's obvious why they don't they don't well, want they that. <laughs> yeah, they don't want that. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I'm looking at them going, but they would appoint oh, no. jokes. Oh, super jokes. Oh, it would be hilarious. But let them fall. Yeah. Exactly. It would right. be ridiculous. There's no there's no question. Yeah. It's an uh, yeah. I'm even now that I'm thinking about it more. I'm even getting further into the heart of what you're pointing out. In that we think Boxer and Feinstein, or B- Boxer and Kamala, right. now. Uh, sorry, or Feinstein, Feinstein and Kamala, Kamala are like crazy. Oh, I think they would look normal, right? Or al- or alive? Yeah, compared yeah. to who in the world the legislature would come up with to check boxes because yeah. that person that they're selecting doesn't have to run for anything. That's right. They just get plucked out and like you're in dc in the senate oh man now you're really thinking about it and going yeah california might do that oh no it would it would it would just get more absurd well, right i think you also have to realize the intent of kind of the bicameral yeah of it in that the reps represent the people yeah. and the senators represent the states yeah yeah right yeah. so yeah if the state wants to handpick some people to be their senators nutbag then it should be why not have it totally. be the right and then the people control the, totally. the representatives totally. of the house right is it back to me for a little yeah. topic time which one of these topics do we want to do you know let's switch it up to um because i do have a rent topic but let's kind of go in a different direction let's talk Online privacy, because mm. I feel like there'll be mm. some, there could be some interesting commentary mm-hmm. um, from you guys around this. So, in another unbelievable effort um, at the end of the last year to enact some stupid law, which no one had any clue about how they were going to comply with, kind of like AB five, <laughs> uh, California enacted an online privacy law. Um, so, let's start with this. I got a couple articles that I pulled some information from. Let's start with the Cal Watchdog article. This is from January second, twenty twenty. Confusion abounds as California's online privacy law kicks in. So it was the first in the nation online privacy law that technically took effect Jan 1 of this year. The law's most important provisions appear straightforward. So I'm going to list them so we kind of just have a general sense of what this law is supposed to accomplish. Californians can't... Okay, number one. Californians can ask companies which collect information online what information they have on them. Okay. Number two, companies must delete this information upon request. Okay. Number three, 
Websites with third-party trackers must make it easy for consumers to opt out of having their information sold by having a visible button allowing them to quickly do so on their homepages. Number four, the law does not apply to businesses with annual revenue of less than $25 million that do not buy or sell personal information on at least 50,000 people a year. So again, this is some arbitrary, pulled out of who knows where, cutoff limit, kind of like, what was it, 50 articles from journalists? You know, they just right. come up with magic numbers where this stuff won't apply. Um, two specific companies got mentioned in this article. Facebook told yeah. advertisers in early December that it had no plans to change data collection policies because it doesn't believe that quote-unquote routine data transfers about consumers fit the definition of selling data contained in the California law. Google, however, has put, a website, has put up a website that says that the company welcomes the California law and will fully adhere to its intent of letting consumers control their personal data. The company is telling its advertisers that consumer data can only be used for fraud detection or to measure online views of ads and never to try to ascertain the buying habits or product searches of individuals. What do you guys say? Well, a, f- a while back, I we had talked about this kind of thing before. Right. And I kind of posed the question of just how much money are social media uh, making off of us generates from your info from my see. info okay. that's right so i did a little digging Ooh, i like this did a little digging and i was i really did want to find out what it was so i found a a study by digital information world uh, they did the numbers themselves and wanted to kind of give you an idea of how much money these places were thinking now okay LinkedIn. Now, this is uh, actually 2018 numbers. 2019 is closing. I mean, but but 18 is pretty close. I yeah, mean, that, I mean, they're making more money these days. But <laughs> sure, you but know, well, it's not a bad proxy. It is what it is. Okay. Yeah. So, of all the uh, the top tier social media sites yep. that make that make money off of you, um, LinkedIn is the really? highest earner. Really, at seventeen dollars and ten cents per user. Really. That's how much money they make off of their users. Now, you got to remember, they're kind of a little different business model yeah. than regular social media. But if you've ever used their app, it's kind of a social media app. Is it really? Yeah. It's, 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 you know, you can post things, you like things, and you kind of use it. It's more business related, but it's still a social media platform. Now, Twitter actually came in number two at $9.22 per user. Snapchat, $4.42. Pinterest, $3.77. And Reddit, number five. Really? At 30 cents per person. Per user. Well, now, but this might be skewed a little bit as to your consumerism. So, Well, it's, it's skewed just in membership. Right, I mean, like, that's oh, right. that's true. how do they? Uh, AdWords, right. Google AdWords will be far and above anybody. It has to be, but there's no way you're not a user. The of Google. users, that's right. It's that's not right. a social right. media. Well, you don't log in. You don't have to log in to exactly. use it. You just click, right? right? And and if anything, they would be probably watered down in the sense that yeah. they have so many more users a, than anybody else. That, it's almost like, do you have an internet connection? Then you are a Google user, right? Like, exactly. <laughs> almost. Now, Facebook was actually out there. They make a quarter, 
for every user. Now, you go, oh, a quarter, but remember, they have 2.8 billion subscribers sure, sure. or active users. Sure. So it tends to add up a little bit, but they're not exactly making hand over fist over you. Now, it might have changed because the 2018 numbers are different from 2019 sure. and so on and so forth. Sure. But... Uh, as far as money coming in and expenditures going out, they they they're pulling a profit, and profit is the bad word. Now you got to remember, you're getting something for free. You're getting the social media account for free. What? Okay, the for free part. That's what we're you talking you, about here. You don't actually out pay of anything. your wallet. That's right. That's right. Okay. So, did you get? 25 cents of enjoyment out of that? It's an interesting way to ask, I mean, to pose it. It's interesting. I mean, when I, when I, someone logs into LinkedIn, they're getting benefit because they're looking for a job. That's the best way they can, they can utilize that service. And they probably do get $17 worth out of that service. I, I'm curious how the data is derived in these in the um in the ranking order you put together mm-hmm. so i have a digital marketing company yeah. i make money off you mm-hmm. right i mean I, that's what we do for our clients is we market them social media marketing is a big part of that and google is a big part of that um we talk about all the time if something is free you're the product right that's right you don't have to use these sites So when someone says, do you feel like you're getting X amount of money of enjoyment out of this? Yeah. You don't have to be on it. That's right. Right. I mean, I'm someone, amongst the three of us, I used to have a Facebook account, deleted it, used to have a Twitter account, deleted it. Right. I'm not making a judgment call on anyone's got, I, I just don't have one. Exactly. And nobody asks you to click on the ads. Like you clicked on the ads. It's oh, the only right. way. Yeah. Right. right. So for people that don't know, the way most of these work is on a pay per click model. Right. So back in the day when you want to advertise and say put something up on a bus bench or a highway sign, you paid to have your ad up there, right? Or when you put it in a newspaper, you paid to have your ad up there, regardless of if anyone called you or touched it or looked at it. Totally. You paid for impressions. You imp- you paid to be displayed. With most of these models, and now Facebook's a little different because you can choose kind of what model you want, but for the most part, you pay when somebody clicks on the ad. So when you see Google Ads, nobody's paying to show up there. They're only paying when someone clicks on your ad. That's when the person displaying the ad is charged, right? And then that's when Google makes money. Google then tries to show your ads to the most relevant people possible because it it helps them out, right? They want to make money. If they show your, because people are always like, well, then what's the stop and just showing your ad all over the place? Well, they need someone most likely to click because no one gets paid and no one gets charged unless someone clicks, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're searching for widgets in Los Angeles and you're selling widgets in Los Angeles, hopefully your ad gets linked up with that search term. Now, you can do a lot of stuff with that data. You can remarket it. So I can say, show this ad to someone that's been to my website in the last 30 days. Mm. And then maybe I can change the messaging a little bit because you are you already have some warmth to the product. You've been to the site for somebody that doesn't even know the product, right? So there, everyone knows remarketing 
anyone who's ever been on Amazon knows remarketing. That's when you search for something and that product then follows you around the internet for the next 30 days, right? This pretty much models, California's modeling the GDPR Mm -hmm. laws of Mm -hmm. the EU, right? That came out in 2018, Mm -hmm. where you had to have a clear, I want to opt out of cookies. Everyone's seen it on websites now, right? The big paragraph at the bottom, and you have to click OK. And it's only a European thing. The problem is your website can be shown everywhere. And so in order to not be compliant with Europe, even businesses in the U.S. are displaying it. That's really the only way to satisfy some of this. So I look at the article that you were talking about and I look at the different um, pieces of it. And part of me wonders like when it says uh, Californians can ask companies which collect information online, what information they have on them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And count companies must delete this information upon request. Well, uh, website third-party trackers must make it easy for consumers to opt out of having their information sold by having a visible button. That's GDPR. That's what Europe already does. The other two part though is your data is fairly anonymized, right? Like I can't go into my analytics suite and look up and look John, John. Mm-hmm. or look for Bobby. It's just data, right? Now the cookie gets placed on your computer and the cookie is what links you up. But I have no way to know who anybody is. Someone posed this in one of these art in a separate article on The Verge that I read, uh, December thirty first, twenty nineteen. Someone posed that question: How is a company going to ensure it is deleting the right consumers' data without collecting more information to verify them? And you're making the exact it's point right there. I, I just right? have to delete the entire. I don't have a way to even delete data. Like Google doesn't even give me a way to delete data. I just have date ranges. Hmm. But there's nothing. There's no way for me to delete anything in Google Analytics. So let me let's go there for a second because it sounds like you're confused how this is actually going to work. Let's yeah. let's hear a quote. Oh, you from, are, are you? Let's okay. let's hear a quote from California's Attorney General Javier Becerra. Oh, good guy, totally good guy yeah. for the people. He Javier. shoots it straight. I tell you what. Because here's what Javier says: We're going to try to help folks understand our interpretation of the law. Well, that right there, you guys wrote the law, you're still not quite sure how to interpret that which you wrote. So you're going to try and help people understand your interpretation of the law. Okay. But once we've done those things, our job is to make sure they're compliant. So we'll enforce. And the whole thing here, and he's come out and said this, technically it got started in in Jan 1, 2020, but you know, they're not going to kind of enforce it until July 1st because Everyone's not real sure what's going on, even the people who wrote the law. Right. There, there's this teeter-totter we play with security, right? You can be extremely secure and yes. require four passwords yes. of varying size to get into your online banking. Yes. That's not convenient. No. Or you can just say, click here and go into your bank account, right? That's super not insecure. Super insecure. And somewhere in the middle, we find a balance between being eh, pretty convenient and pretty secure. Right? Right. We like having Wi-Fi everywhere. Yep. How many times do you put in an email and click accept? Or how many times do you not need an email like when you go to Starbucks and just hop on their Wi-Fi? Right. They've placed a cookie and they're marketing you. Right. Because you want convenient Wi-Fi. You opted into that. You did not have to do that. Right. No one held a gun to your head. or no. No, So far, free Wi-Fi is not a right. So. Exactly. And 
I get uh, with normal websites having the opt-out disclaimer, great. If you don't want a cookie placed, cool. Someone's going to find another way to make money. All this stuff costs money, and we want it all to be free. I.e., there is no such thing as a free lunch. It's like right. Econ 101. The one advantage to this kind of advertising is that at least you're being shown ads of things you're interested in. Right. Right. Google started doing this a long time ago with Gmail. Right. Gmail kind of broke the mold. It scanned your inbox and then showed you ads that it felt were relevant to you versus just showing you random garbage that you're not interested in. You're, you can't get away from ads. And would you rather see ads that are relevant to you or ads that are completely irrelevant? Yep. Right? Yeah. Right? No one's asking you to be on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Reddit. And Reddit probably works because, A, of how broad it is, but B, it inserts posts, it does. ads that it look does. like posts. It does. It right? does. But we, th- then, then these places start charging a fee, and you're like, oh, wow. Well, I know. Yeah. I'm not giving you four bucks a month. But I don't want you storing anything on me or getting any information from me. Well, that's, that's, that's their model. That's exactly where we're headed. That's their model. That's exactly where we're headed. And, you know, all these, you know, Trump stood up for these social media accounts, these companies, because he's opposing the VAT taxes that European countries are trying to put on them. And essentially, that's what Andrew Yang was kind of doing with his $1,000 a month universal basic income was, oh, we're just going to charge, you know, Social media, they're just making so much money off right, of you. Right. It, the math didn't come out. Someone who proclaims for math, it, it just wasn't working. So well, what, what are we doing here? I, I'm not I just for... showed that you, they don't make that much money off of you. Facebook makes a quarter and you want to make it a $1,000? Well, and a lot of it, at least from the third party that's actually using the data, yeah. it's pretty anonymous. In fact, Google's terms say that because there are ways I could link your name up with like a contact form or something. I'm not allowed to, right? That's a very explicit. I, it has to remain anonymous, the data. Just how many hits, how many conversions, right? Just data. I, I'm for things where your iPhone is tracking you and you're, you know, those things are like, well, wait a minute. And that data is being used for things. And I guess there's a distinguishment between a data mining company selling a giant book of data and digital marketers using the generic data for better advertising mm-hmm. placement, mm-hmm. right? Because it works. It, this works. When I can show my ads to more relevant audiences, you make a purchase. Mm-hmm. It works. It's why there's so much money in it. I'm not for someone just, uh, someone who, who has a deeper connection to the data that can go to Facebook and just buy a server farm of data yeah, yeah. where it shows Bobby, this, that went here, went to Seven Eleven. That's too much. And I'm cool with opting out of, of cookies on websites. I get that. But the social media part of just the digital marketer showing you a relevant ad, I don't know who I'm showing it to. I just know that at some point you show up as someone who would want to see this ad. To your guys' point, it just seems like we're quickly approaching that area where there's no overlap. The, the privacy that people want doesn't line up with the things they want for free. Well, you're not going to be able to accomplish both here because we've, quick. Because we've created a world where no one expects to pay for anything. Correct. Correct. Right? And everyone gets a first place ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> 
that, that's that um, that's what I got there. I think you know. that's a pretty decent show right there. No, I just uh, finished brewing some beer, John. Did you? Oh, I did. We, we were talking about this talking a little bit ago. It. It's, a, it's a blonde ale. It's a blonde ale, and since John's a blonde, I'm partial. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I decided to name it after John. Did you? I did. I'm going to call it uh, Biscuits and Sweet Corn. Yes. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. And insider uh, Sweet Corn is John's fiance. That's funny. Uh, you can you can tell her that there's now a beer named after her. It is. Is that yeah. the official name? That's the official I, name. That's I'm what honored. we're going with. I'm honored. I appreciate that. <laughs> Ended on a high note. Another episode down. Uh, newer format, longer episodes, less episodes, longer episodes. Um, thanks for listening. Tell a friend. We survive off friends. We do get listener mail, which is pretty exciting. Find us on our website, calistreamy.com, C-A-L-I-Streamy.com. Download us on Apple iTunes and the Google Play Store. And every week, especially if you're new, Bobby always has a pretty legit message. And I always say it in jest. Help us burn it all down.